The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. I always feel like I have to explain the Schwitty Falls thing. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people don't get what you're talking about. That's the Saturday Night Live skit about NPR. And they usually, it's Al, isn't it Alec Baldwin and Anna Gasteyer? Was it her that did the Schwitty Falls? And there are the two, you know, how NPR talks like this. And they always do that Schwitty Balls thing. And we had a conversation about it, I think, in the first season of our podcast. And so that came up. And so I'm not a freak. You're not a freak. But uh, Becky, wait, why do you ask like that? <laughs> I saw I was looking at you like, yeah, you're a freak. No, you're not. And because they had Betty White on, didn't they? That's, that, that's it. it. And she was doing something about her muffins. <laughs> we might not go because they're probably children listening to this. Exactly. Anyway, so uh, there you have it. But welcome back to another uh, episode. We're going to call it an episode of our podcast. Yes. Yes, it is. And uh, you know what I want to know? I want to know from you if you want to write in. About where do you listen to your podcast? Oh. I listen. I do listen to these mm-hmm. podcasts, actually, and I listen to them when I'm walking my dogs. I do the same. You do? Uh-huh. It sort of helps pass the time, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I'm waiting in a doctor's office, I'll listen as well. Oh, really? <laughs> it helps pass the time. Does it? Yeah. Are you regularly in doctor's offices? No, no, no. But when I am, like if I am, or if, well, I, I cover medical of news. Of course you so do. So for waiting for the doctor. Okay. Yes. For, for a moment there, I was concerned. <laughs> I'm okay. Um, but there's a, we have an, oh, her name escapes me. She's on Twitter and I adore her. I think it's Debbie is her name and she listens all the time and she listens to her podcast when she's driving out of town and she'll sometimes re-download them to listen again. She's amazing. I can't remember her name, but I'm going to find it. Well, thank you, Debbie or whoever you are and all those people who listen. Please share this with others. Um, Tell them that we're doing a podcast and we uh, sometimes it's a little crazy. Sometimes (laughs) we get really serious. Other times we just talk about some, uh, I think, fascinating stuff. So, And it's great to have you here, Holly, again. We've had a long time without doing these podcasts because we've both been very busy. Yes. But being busy is good. As I tell people when they say, oh, my gosh, you are never here, I say, well, at least and I'm doing something. That's right. So, you just finished you know, another book, right? Yes. Well, I have, it and it's time. taken me months and months and months to write this book, and I'm very excited about it. It's coming out in March 2013. It really is the definitive book on positive training, and um, hmm. it really is it's going to help you understand your dog. You're going to find out facts about your dog that you never knew. Really? And uh, I've done a lot of research for the book, obviously, and everything that I write is backed up with um, scientific fact and observational study. And I just think it's it's a book that the very latest information that people can garner from it. I like that. Yeah. So it, it, it's been a labor of love and sometimes hate. <laughs> Isn't everything love-hate? I never knew what writer's block was until I began writing this book. I mean, really? I wrote my first book, but it kind of flowed. It was easy then. And this time, because I really wanted to go in-depth and make it a much more, I don't know, I love my first book, but that's more sort of, this is how you do it. I wanted mm-hmm. this to be more of a journey into your dog's mind. So I really wanted to be creative on how I was going to do that. 
and do that so that people didn't fall asleep while reading it. You're not going to fall asleep while reading it. <laughs> and I really hope that, you know, as you, as you go through this book, you're going to learn a lot about how your dog perceives the world around you and how you can make your relationship better with your dog and how you can improve your communication. So it's a win-win. Ooh, I Am I, I selling it well? Yes. No, I'm thinking to myself, when does it come out? It doesn't come out till next year, right? March though? 2013, but I'm sure you will get be the first person to get a copy. Yes, I'd like to see. Will you autograph mm-hmm. it for me? I will. I would. Um, I think it would be fun to write a book. Susie Essman, you know, from uh, the Larry David Show. Happiness. I want to get her on here because I've done yes. a couple of things with her. So She's amazing. She wrote a really funny book, and one of her chapters is if something about, you know, she sort of does this relationship stuff and talks about dogs and how they relate to boyfriends. So if your boyfriend was a dog, what he would be. And um, I had the uh, privilege to interview her about, you know, interview her in general. And she talked about it and people were throwing out, you know, their dogs or she was giving them, you know, sort of like, you know, German Shepherd. And she would say, you know, he's fierce. He's got a, you know, attitude problem. So she would talk about them in terms of men. So I thought, wouldn't that be funny to do a book about dogs as men? So we know our, and then even as women, like you do, you know, a little bit on, let's talk about that. Wouldn't that be fun to do? That would be great. And I'm just thinking. What kind of dog would your husband Sean be? Didn't we do this last? We did, season? and I can't remember. Yeah, I think what he was an old said. English sheepdog. Was he? Yeah, because he's kind of big and he's kind of lazy. Oh, that was your oh, husband. That was my Van. husband. What was? No, what was he, look, look, he's an old English sheepdog mixed with a Rottweiler. Oh, uh, who? Your husband or mine? Yeah, no, mine. Really? What was? What was my husband? I don't recall. He was a hound. Oh, he is a hound. He is dog. a hound because he's, he's very Georgia. southern. Yeah, and yeah. he's kind of slow. But I mean, not like that, not mentally. I just mean in speech. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the way he talks and stuff. And I think, I think I was a, didn't you, t- you said I was a labradoodle. I think so. Yes, you are a labradoodle. <laughs> and I'm a slightly nervy border collie. <laughs> was that what you were? Or did we say, were you a border collie? Or oh, a I, no, I think, no, I think, I'm, I'm sure, sure I'm a chihuahua too. I'm, I'm a, I'm a real mixed breed. I like that. Yeah. Isn't that funny. I am. Okay. So that's what we need to do is let us know if you were a dog, tell us about your personality and then diagnose yourself what kind of dog you'd be. Or mm-hmm. tell us your personality and then we'll tell you what kind of dog you would be. I think yeah. that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Email the show at podcast at positive com and let us know. Or you tell us your personality and we'll give you your breed. Oh, yeah. That, that would, would be, be fun. That would be great. Let's do that. Gosh, All right. great. And now uh, let's talk about busyness even more. You're heading out of town. I'm going to Detroit. Yep. I'm going to shoot with Ehow. My Ehow Careful pets. how you say you're going to Detroit. Oh, yes. I'm going to Detroit to film, film <laughs> Bless their heart. with uh, YouTube again for... Um, Ehow Pets. Go to youtube.com slash Ehow Pets to see some of the episodes that we've already shot, filmed. But I'm going <laughs> I'm going there and uh, we're going to be covering Detroit Dog Rescue. Um, and Detroit Dog Rescue, it's been featured on the, the NBC News a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And really, um, if you go to their website, you'll see more than 50,000 homeless and stray dogs mm-hmm. running loose on the streets of Detroit. And wow. 23 City of Detroit Animal Control Officers, okay. only 23 to perform the rescue operations. An impossible task. Nearly 90% of the dogs that are picked up are euthanized mm. because, of course, the economy has hit mm-hmm. so badly there and so hard that people move away from their homes, leave the animals. They don't have money to care for their animals. So these animals are strays. And Detroit Dog Rescue come together. These amazing people come together. And uh, I'm going to be going and meeting them. And doing a ride along and seeing what they do on a daily basis. Wow. So I'm very excited about covering that. Then I'm going to be with them for a couple of days. Then I'm going to be going to the pen, the, actually the launch 
of the brand new Penn Working Dog Center, which has its grand opening um, on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And um, they are, last week we were talking about the, the assistance dogs with Jennifer Arnold, mm-hmm. who has the assistant dog amazing program up in Alpharetta, Georgia. But um, this is the sort of scientific arm. This is discovering what makes a good working dog. So they have got an amazing program. And after I've been there, I'll come back and talk to you more about the program because I want to find out um, about it and experience it for myself Mm -hmm. before I comment on it further. But I think they're doing some exciting stuff that could be very beneficial in the future for working dogs. That's great. So you're going to be really busy. I Um, I have to tell you, I lived in Detroit for two and a half years and I I mean, I have to say people, you know, beat Detroit up, but Detroit really is a great city. The people of Detroit have heart and it's so unfortunate what's happened. A lot of it because of the auto industry. When I was there, it was having some problems, but it was a bit of a thriving city in some ways. The Pistons were doing really well. And, you know, I mean, the people of Detroit just are great people. And I made some of my best and closest friends there who I still have today. And, um, it really is. And I, and I feel for what's happened to that city. They really, I mean, it's a beautiful place. I mean, look where they are. Look, you know, I mean, beautiful part, you know, gross point is some of the most, is some of those beautiful homes there. It's on the water. It's just unfortunate. And I really hope that this economy picks up and helps that city because I think the people of Detroit are such good people. Um, but you know, we're talking, we're getting into labor day and, uh, um, I'll never forget when I first moved to Detroit, you know, I grew up in Chicago and in the suburbs and you'd have, you know, your parades in your small town. I grew up in a, you know, smaller town in North shore of Chicago in Glenview. And, you know, every year you'd have the big labor day parade and the labor day parade was these floats that would come down and everyone would bring out their dogs and their kids. And you'd stand there and they would throw candy off these really decorated parade floats. And it was so much fun. And then you'd go get ice cream after it was just really great. So the first time I was in Detroit, I was 22 years old. It was my first job. And they said, you're going to go cover the Labor Day parade in downtown Detroit. And I was so excited. And I was like, oh, I can't wait. I'm thinking to myself, candy, this is going to be fantastic. I'm so excited. It's going to be like small town. No, the Detroit parade, you know, Detroit is basically the hub and the seat of the, you know, a lot of the auto workers where they are. So all it was was just gobs and gobs of people, mostly men in T-shirts wearing their union basically their, their, whatever union they were, their number and they were walking in their colored t-shirts. <laughs> I just remember I asked my photographer, where are the floats and where's the candy? Oh, <laughs> and they no. were like, this is a labor day parade. So it really it made me labor. realize what labor was and you know, how, what it meant to this country. And it really was an eye opener, but that was my first sort of welcome to the working world. Welcome to the world as it is. And those people were so great. And you realize how hard they are. And so many of them now have lost their jobs and lost their lives. And it just breaks my heart. So um, I, I thank you for doing that. And I'll be very interested to see what you find. And, you know, would love to be able to thank those people that are actually really every day working hard to save those dogs. I used to be able to name every nut, and it used to drive my mother crazy. What planet is he on? That's like peanut, hazelnut. Yeah, but did you know macadamia nuts are toxic to dogs? Macadamia nuts. I'm absolutely amazed. Oh, and did you know this? Dogs are able to see much better in dim light than humans are? This is due to a refracting layer behind the retina. Because it functions like a mirror, it also accounts for the strange shine or glow in a dog's eyes at night. You know, I have really bad eyesight myself. My eyes keep regressing. I wonder, I would never make it as a dog. It's called a tapetum. That's the reflective bit in the back of the dog's eye, the tapetum. Oh. Yep. 
Uh, I have to say, since I've been writing the book, my eyesight has diminished considerably. It really has. I've noticed an absolute decline in my eyesight since I've been started writing my book. Are you saying because of the book or yes, it just took so. you so long to no, write? No, well, book? because I mean, I've been planning the book for three years, but I've actually been physically writing it for six mm-hmm. months every day in front of my computer uh-huh. when I'm not filming and, and my eyesight's degraded. Well, you know what they tell you to do in- they say that when you're on a computer, every 10 minutes you should look up and focus on something in the distance. Really? And well, they do have what's called VST glasses, which are basically the protectant that protect you from the the rays and whatever they, the emits off the screen. I don't know. I'm not an eye doctor. But um, they do have them. I don't know whether computers are being made differently now, but they did recommend you wear those glasses if you spend any length of time. Well, I should have known that before <laughs> I wrote that book because I can hardly see what's in front of me right now. Welcome to my world. Um I would want to go back to Detroit because uh, part of my Victoria Store Positively Dog Training team, actually quite a few members live and work in Detroit. So if you are in Detroit and you want a positive, an amazing positive trainer, please go to positively.com slash trainers. There you'll see Shelly Kisner, Beth Duman, um, and or Beth Duman. And the Trainers Academy run by Lisa Petrona. These are all fabulous trainers that are in the Detroit area. Lisa Petrona, that name is familiar. Is, is it to you? Yeah. I, I think it's, I, I mean, she is just a fantastic person. She has a, a great academy. So, you know, and all of these people do so much for dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very proud that they're part of my team. Um, also, I wanted to talk a little bit about my new t-shirts. Oh, yeah. I, I, I uh, really like them. I got a sneak peek of them. They're very nice. I'm waiting for mine. You will. You'll get it. <laughs> you'll get them. They're very cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're a partnership with Dog is Good, mm-hmm. and they have such fantastic T-shirts. In fact, I wear their T-shirts all the time. And then uh, we decided to sort of co-brand together, mm-hmm. and um, they have come up with some fabulous designs, working with me to design some fantastic T-shirts, which really have the message. If you love dogs and you want to tell the world, then please go on my site, positively.com slash store, and you'll be able to see the T-shirts that I have there. And uh, please buy one because I think you're going to love them. I, I do. They're really cool. I really like Dog is good. Is that like life is good? Yeah, it's it's obviously different. But yeah. Dog is good. I like it. Good dog. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love that. And they got some really, really clever T-shirts themselves. So Very cool. And you have some new trainers that joined you recently. I did. Um, Daniela Scarlatta in Rome, Italy. And she wow. just recently joined. She's a great trainer in the north of Rome. Um, I already have a trainer down in the south of Rome mm. and Giorgio, who are a seminar that I did uh, when I was in Rome this uh, this summer. And then we have Melinda Berger in Newton, Pennsylvania. So if you're near in the Newton area, you are lucky. Mm-hmm. So you've got a great positive trainer there. My best friend from college is from Newton, Pennsylvania. Is it Newton or Newtown? I think it's Newtown. They call it, well, I don't know. Newtown. I don't know. Could you let us know? Yeah. Email us. <laughs> Please, because it's my accent. I don't know how to pronounce these things. I have no And excuse. then uh, Lisa Matthews in Alpharetta, Georgia. Lisa Matthews has recently come on. And again, each time, it, it's a long process to become one of my trainers. There's quite a, a thorough assessment because we want to make sure that these people practice positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. really know what they're doing, are the best of the best. And so they go through this whole assessment process, which is interview after interview and references and then coming for a day with me. And and when they get through, you know, you really know that you've got a, a team member f- for life, a friend for life, because mm-hmm. we're all doing the same kind of things. We want the same kind of outcome. And that is to treat 
and teach dogs humanely and foster better relationships between dogs and their people. So welcome to all of those fantastic trainers. I'm so glad you're part of the team. And also to my lovely existing trainers who have been with me for a long time. And, um, you know, if you're lucky to have a trainer in your area and if you want to find one, please go to positivity.com slash trainers. Good to know. So why don't you say we pick up the Positively Hotline right now because we've got a great caller on the line. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. On our Positively Hotline today, we have one of my favorite vets <laughs> in the world, Mark Abraham. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you doing? Very Hi. good. Uh, Holly has seen you on yes. one of my It's Me or the Dog episodes. In fact, didn't we do two or three episodes together? It was the Fat Dog episodes. We did. We, we tackled um, canine obesity together. The, those were some of my favorite episodes. Not only does my dog struggle with that, but sometimes I struggle with the fat issue too, so I could relate. Do you know, when I go around to, Mark, it's difficult for me, because when I go around to Holly's house, you see, and uh, she has a beautiful pit bull, I tell you, well, pit bull, American bulldog mix, and uh, she's beautiful, but she is a little rotund, <laughs> and maybe when you come because over... Holly or the dog? No, <laughs> both, no, unfortunately. No, 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 Holly's gorgeous, and I have to say, Kashmir, her, her dog is gorgeous too, but me a little bit rotund. Um, but having said, I have struggled with getting my dog's weight off too. Mm-hmm. You know, Sadie does have thyroid issues and I don't feed her a lot. I exercise her a lot, but she just has a really slow metabolism. That That's what it must be because she's just a big, hefty dog. So I kind of understand it, but that's mm-hmm. how Mark and I met. Mm-hmm. And of course, apart from being very good looking, um, uh, you can't see Mark going red. I can't because he's in England and I'm here can in America. You, can you hear me blushing from all these sounds? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I know that you do blush when anyone gives you a, comf- a compliment. Of but um, he was great and so knowledgeable about his work and very, very passionate. And the reason why I wanted to talk to Mark today is because he's the founder of something called Pup Aid. You know that we have a huge issue, a huge problem with puppy farming in this country, in the United States, and so does Britain. Um, Mark really has taken it upon himself to address the issue in Britain and has organized this incredible event last year and this year as well called Pup Aid. It's happening again this year, isn't it? September the 8th, 2012? Yes, it's on Saturday, September the 8th, 2012, and this year we've moved it to London to raise even more awareness. What is Pup Aid? Um, So Pup Aid is basically... Uh, a way of raising awareness, um, but making it uh, in a way that people take notes, uh, especially the people that need to take notes, who are the sort of tabloid demographic that are actually buying these diseased um, and sick pups in the first place, because there's no point putting it in the in the broadsheet newspapers because the, the people that really need to know about it won't read them. Um, so you've got to make an important animal welfare issue kind of quite cool and sexy and interesting and, and something that people sort of engage in. And the only way really to do that these days is, is using celebrities, using music. Um, so it's kind of a, a boutique music festival and um, a fun dog show where celebrities judge the dogs and it's all fun categories. Um, and, and it's basically a vehicle for educating people about the correct way to choose a dog which is either to adopt from rescue or to go to a responsible breeder where you always see the pup interacting with its mum. So it's kind of 
a serious message, but it's a fun day and um, it's working. Can you um, tell me some of the celebrity supporters that you have? Yeah, um, with pleasure. I mean, we've got um, Brian May, Liam Gallagher. Um, there's a rumour that Kate Moss is coming, uh, Simon Cowell. Um, there's, there's, there's some huge names. And the reason I moved it to the place in London where it's happening, which is called Primrose Hill, is because it's on all of their doorsteps. Um, and it's just to make it even easier for them to turn up and judge. So there's soap stars, there's, there's actors, there's, there's TV presenters, there's all sorts of people coming. And they're coming because they love dogs. And um, that's all we ask from them is, is to come judge a fun dog show and, and lend their name and the awareness. And it's, it's overwhelming and it blows my mind every time I look at the list of celebrities and people just contacting me asking if they can get involved. See, that's fantastic. I mean, Brian May, I tell you, Brian May of Queen. I'd be more most excited to see. I get, I, I get emails from Brian and he, he signs off Brian. I mean, this is mental, right? I mean, I've, I've <laughs> been a Queen fan and I saw them when I was 12 in Spain in uh, Marbella on holiday. And um, he helped me out a couple of years ago and signed a guitar that we later auctioned for rescue dogs. And I was in his, in his house and I was like, Brian, the last time I saw you, you were like tiny and he gives me a big hug. Um, and it's just, <laughs> I don't usually get past that, but when you meet people who are proper idols, either comedy or, or music or whatever, it's just, it's, yeah, it's quite overwhelming that sort of the love of animals has, has, has done all this. Yeah. It's good to know because I would never have known that side of him. I would never know that he was such a dog lover and it makes me love him even more. What about Simon Cowell? Right. He's always so crotchety and you think he's so mean, but apparently he's got a soft heart somewhere. Oh, Simon Cowell is known for loving dogs more than he loves humans. <laughs> I'm um, okay with that. <laughs> well, you can see that. And, and it's just, yeah. And, and the thing about animal welfare, as you guys I'm sure know, is, is if people really mean it, they'll want to get engaged and, and, and involved for the animal's sake. And you can, you can easily sort of flush out who's in it for themselves, who's in it for the animals, who's in it for the dogs. Um, because the world of campaigning, as you guys I'm sure know, it's full of dead ends and full of promises and full of people saying, yeah, I'll get involved, I'll do anything you want. And when you come to ask them, they just either ignore you or their agent says no. Um, but people really do come through and, and it's working with those people. We actually start, you know, making waves and, and changing stuff, which is, yeah, quite overwhelming, as I say. Actually, I know one of the people that really does advocate for animals is Ricky Gervais. And uh, you and I, Mark, we both love Ricky Gervais. And um, he's somebody that I'd really love to get on this podcast one day, maybe. So, Ricky, <laughs> if you're listening or anybody knows Ricky Gervais, please tell him that we want him on our podcast just so that Holly and I can talk to him. I'm sure he would. I mean, I've met Ricky a couple of times and he's obsessed with animals and obsessed with animal welfare. Um, nothing is impossible. That's one thing I've learned from this whole campaigning thing. I, mean, I didn't think I'd ever meet Liam Gallagher or Brian May or any of these like, massive A-listers, but you know, from share, sharing a love of animals, you do. And when you meet them, you just talk about animals. And it's so surreal, but it's brilliant. And yeah, animals really bring people together. I think it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. They really just, they just sort of cross the divide. And they give, they give people something to talk about. So even if you are, I don't know, with somebody that you might make you feel a bit awkward or, you know, you talk about your dogs, that's it, or your cats, that's it. You have something in common. That's why I love them. Tell, tell me about your Where's Mum campaign. Well, again, it's uh, another vehicle, really, to to sort of get 
through to the tabloid demographic, the people who are buying these pups. For me, puppy farming is all the only way to stop it is, is to actually stop making people aware and stop them buying it. And we can enlarge on that if you like. But for me, no matter how, what laws you bring in or rules you bring in, um, the way to do it is to stop people buying them, stop the demand. So the Where's Mum campaign was really, and still is actually, a, it's, celeb- it's a sort of a, a long drawn out photo shoot over a few months, which is a celebrity with their usually daughter or son and their dog. And it's basically a, a message that says, if you're going to buy a puppy, you have to ask where's mum. Again, it's a pretty simple message, but you have to dress it up and stick a load of celebrities onto it for people to actually take note and make it into a national campaign that has hit so much media. I mean, we're talking the mail online, we're talking mainstream TV, and we've launched it with a load of celebrities that are appealing to um, you know the people that will take note. So we've used the... Um, a program in, in this country at the moment called The Only Way is Essex, which is huge. Um, so we used a main character from there and her daughter, um, and we launched it on Mother's Day, obviously, um, on national TV, and we've, we've done a few celebrities and their kids in big photo shoots, and it's basically just to say, ask where mum is, and if mum isn't there, you walk away, um, and you call to a trading standards or, or animal, animal welfare, but you just don't buy it if mum isn't there. Simple so- message, but dressed up. But Mark, why is it important to know where the mom is of of an animal? What what's the purpose of that? So puppy farming, and, uh, and you guys called it puppy mills, is mm-hmm. the sort of commercial mass production of puppies, mainly for pet shops, mainly to sell online, mainly to sell by private dealers. Um, the pups are removed from their mothers too young. The mothers are kept in horrific conditions. So are the fathers. Um, and then the, the pups are then transported across the country. They get sick. They're full of disease, infectious um, from inbreeding. Um, and then these people buy them, well-meaning people buy them from pet shops or pet superstores, and they get them home and they've got behavioral problems or they've got medical problems and they need either £1,000 to fix them or they just fade and die. Um, so really, if it's a responsible breeder, when someone goes to choose a pup, they'll see that pup interacting with its mum if it's not a responsible breeder, i.e. a pet shop or a dealer, um, that mum could be thousands of miles away, uh, either in Wales, which is where most of the puppy farms are, or now Eastern Europe, where we're bringing a lot of puppies into this country. So it's important for the pup's immunity, um, its socialisation, um, and it's basically it's, it's the future of its health if uh, it interacts with its mum uh, for as long as possible, not taken away from its mum too early and, and have all these problems. Well, I'd really encourage people, if you're interested in Pup Aid, um, please go along on September the 8th, Saturday, September the 8th, uh, to Primrose Hill. What time does it start, Mark? Uh, registration for the dog shows at 10 a.m. The dog show starts at uh, 11 a.m. and it goes on till 5. And we've got categories that haven't really been done before. We've got like, the coolest dog in London. We've got the campest dog in London. Um, we've got some fun stuff because it's the post-event PR is almost as important as the pre-event PR because we've got the uh, dog that looks most like a celebrity. So we've got so many sort of hooks for post-event um, PR and awareness that we can just keep rolling on. The most poignant part of the day, and it is a fun day and it's a family day and it's a day with music and a boutique shopping village and all sorts of things going on, have a go agility. But the most poignant part of the day will be at about 1.30 which we have every year, um, and it's the parade of the ex-breeding bitches. And this is this is this is an idea really to say, right, we're having a lot of fun. This is a great day out. Everyone's dogs are beautifully well bred and having a great time eating treats. But we bring in the uh, parade of the ex-breeding bitches, and these are bitches that have been rescued from puppy mills in Britain, in Wales, 
and they walk around the ring. Um, I do my sort of rallying call about why we're here and this is the most important bit. And everyone starts crying. And this, to me, is, is what makes Pop Aid. Sure, it's fun. Sure, it's a vehicle. Um, but we're here for these poor breeding bitches. And these are the lucky ones that have been rescued. Um, but really, there, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, still imprisoned in puppy farms hundreds of miles away that need our help. And it's this empowering of people uh, encourages awareness raising and, and hopefully gets bigger and bigger every year and we solve the problem. It's kind of a sort of a, a people power versus the establishment and it's, it's exactly how I wanted it to work and it is working. And if uh, those of us who can't make it over there um, <clears throat> to London on September 8th, is there a way that we can support your organization and support what you're doing? I think just it's just the same as Pop Aid. It's, I mean, it's raising awareness. So our website is pupaid.org. Um, we have a Twitter, it's just at PupAid, P-U-P-A-I-D, and we have a Facebook uh, page as well. And I think it's, you know, the ethos of PupAid, I mean, you guys are doing it over there. There's a fantastic campaign group in Australia called Oscars Law who are also doing the same thing, which is constantly thinking of ways to raise awareness and making people take note. Because if you start preaching at people or or just sort of telling people what to do or patronizing them, no one does anything or they do the complete opposite because no one likes being told what to do. But if you make it cool and you involve the right celebrities and you get the right vehicle, people take note, they tell their friends, and slowly but surely the situation changes and more animals are saved. Well, Mark, I'm I'm really, you know, I've always been impressed with what you do. Um, not only are you a, a great veterinarian, but um, you really are, are very passionate about your causes. Um, can we check in with you afterwards, Mark, and um, you can maybe send us some photos because um, on Victoria's uh, website, Positively.com, um, we oh, like yeah, to yeah. post I mean, a lot I'll, of photos. I'll, I'd love to. Be totally honest. And do you know what? On the flip side of that, I mean, all about the people power and all the rest of it, but when I, can, I campaign, I do it in many different levels, and I, I'm in Parliament a lot. I went with Victoria once. We had, we had a lot of fun running around. The chambers of the House of Commons, but I do have meetings with MPs. They're always fruitless. Um, I'm actually hosting a parliamentary reception in the House of Commons on the 6th of September, that's two days before Pop 8, and I'm actually addressing a room full of MPs about the problem. I already know it's a waste of time, but you have to be seen to be doing something active um, when you're campaigning. And I've also, I also tell you this, there's a free newspaper called The Friday Ad, which is massive in this country, um, and it's about, it's, it's, a, it's a place where people go to get puppies, it's cheap puppies, um, it's free advertising. So I actually went to their headquarters a few weeks ago and we're now changing the way that they're advertising puppies and, and we can see the changes already because they're implementing them in print and they're also implementing them online. Mm. So it, for me, campaigning is many levels. Um, uh, people power will be, will get there before the government decides that uh, actually it's, it's, uh, a good idea to ban the selling of puppies in pet shops. So sorry if I'm sort of babbling on. But no, it's, it's great. It's fascinating. We appreciate everything that you're doing. It's terrific. Okay, so it's, it's sort of, it's, it's on so many levels. And I also have to say, Pup Aid this year is a free event. It's never been free, but we've got some fantastic sponsors who are Specs Razors, James Well Beloved. Um, we've also got Adaptil, who you know, for, who make the, uh, the collars, um, behavioral collars, um, safe collars, humane collars that just have pheromones, not spikes or yeah. electric shops. Um, and a company called Pets Insure. So these these guys are again engaged. They're investing in us because they believe um, what we're doing is good. And 
We've also got fantastic volunteers, Stuart, Bex and uh, Milton, who are behind the scenes with me, just doing a phenomenal job pulling this together. So everyone deserves credit. It's a real group team effort, and we will crack it. I promise you that. Can I tell you about Primrose Hill? Um, If you look at my first book, which is uh, It's Me or the Dog, How to Have the Perfect Pet, a lot of the photographs that you see in it were taken on Primrose Hill. It's a beautiful area of London. Beautiful. So just go along there. I encourage you all to do so, please. Um, I also have to say that... uh, Mark has a great book called Vet and Call Out, um, which was published in 2011, which is extremely funny. If you want to find out what the life of a vet is all about, then please read that book. You've also just written a children's book, haven't you, Mark? It's, it's, um, it's the sort of children's adaptation of the first one. So it's a sort of uh, a kid's yeah, version of Vet on Call. But um, I need to send uh, one through for Alex, don't I? Fine. Yeah, you do. Absolutely, you do. Um, <laughs> Mark, I really wish I could be there on September the 8th. I really do. Uh, I'm going to be in we Detroit. We wish you could be there too. We'd love yes. you to be there. One day, one day I will get there. I will get there. But we are going to be, I will be in Texas at the end of September for Puppy Mill Awareness Day in Texas. And I encourage people to come there. We're going to be talking about that in later podcasts. Uh, Mark, do you have any TV projects, other projects coming up? Yeah, there's, there's a few bits and pieces coming up off the back of my trip to the Ukraine recently. Um, there's some interesting, it's, it's all, I mean, I, just a little plug. I did, um, win this year the Special Recognition Award for Animal Welfare, um, in my industry, and I'm going to use that as a vehicle again to promote animal welfare in this country and abroad. And you perhaps saw the, the little YouTube clip as an example of that. Yeah. Um, I- Mark, sorry, I just want to interrupt you there because I did want to just 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 end with that. I really want people to watch the uh, you, the YouTube video that you have about your trip to the Ukraine. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Because what uh, I wasn't aware, but then I very soon became aware of football, the Euro, wasn't it? That was being played there, um, and in order to prepare for the tournament. Look, listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Tournament for a, a, a wasn't it the Euro yeah, 2012? Right. Okay, okay. That right. um, they literally slaughtered hundreds of thousands of dogs in order to make way for the public and the people that were going to come to the Ukraine to watch the football. They they murdered thousands of dogs in order to clear the streets and make them clean and look pretty. Is that right? That's absolutely right, and it's the way that they did it was was even more horrific because they poisoned them and they strangled them, and there was there was vigilante groups going out into the parks and just beating them. So, so tell me, tell um, us about your trip though, because out of this horror, there are some amazing people doing amazing things. There are, and I can't I cannot agree with you more. There's a charity called Four Paws. Uh, I think it's four f o u r hyphen paws dot org. I think it's easy to find. They've got uh, their headquarters are actually in Austria, uh, but they do international animal rescue. And they got hold of me and said, "Look, we'd like to really show you what we're doing and what, how we've tackled this. Um, would you come and sort of have a look at have a look at it and sort of raise a bit more profile?" And I was like, "I'm honoured. I'm honoured to be on your show." And um, and basically, I went there, and it's not the sort of place you choose to go on holiday. Um, and we flew into Kiev and we went eight hours on these rickety, rickety roads in the middle of nowhere and um, did a nutrient vaccination clinic. And basically this, this um, charity forepaws has convinced the Ukrainian government that actually killing dogs in this manner isn't going to solve anything, um, but nutrient and vaccination, sterilization uh, will. And they said, OK, do it then. And so they set up all these 
teaching clinics in all the major uh, cities where the tournaments were being played, um, and also tied it in with a big uh, bear rescue mission because bears out there are still used and exploited for entertainment, various methods, um, and it was also to see how they're tackling that problem as well. So it was only a few days, but it was absolutely fascinating and, and just overwhelming to be part of such a, an amazing project. Well, you know what? We can go ahead and um, why don't we link that YouTube video on Positively.com slash podcast so that anybody who hasn't had a chance to see it and wants to find it, we'll put it up on the on the website so that they can click right through it and see what you've done. That'd be amazing. I mean, you know, it, all this animal welfare stuff is about awareness and education. And the more we put it out there and the more people sort of dip in and have a look and tell their mates or share it or pass it on or tweet it, you know, we make a difference. And if one person sees it and changes their mind about animals, then, you know, it's working. So the more exposure, the better. And, you know, people like you guys and people like Oscar's Law in America and my Pop Aid team, we're all working, we're all volunteering, and we are seeing results. And we have to just keep going because campaigning, as we all know, is very tough. And you're often met with some really sort of but obstacles. I mean, I'll t- tell you two obstacles last year with the puppy farming campaigning, a, a program that was on ITV1, which is a massive major channel here for entertainment, decided to do a program called Super Tiny Animals, which was promoting pygmy, dwarf, teacup, dogs, cats, uh, horses uh, as fun animals. And that was put out six weeks before Christmas, possibly the worst time you could ever put a program out. I filmed uh, half a day with them, did the talking head about responsible pet ownership and breeding. And just before it went out, my agent got an email saying, we cut Mark out of it because we want to keep it all nice and fluffy. I I saw that show. I was absolutely disgusted. I was so disgusted. I went on my Facebook page and ranted. It was the most awful, horrible, horrible, horrific thing I've ever seen. And then we have, in the same week, we had Manchester United, who is a massive soccer team in this country, as you guys know, um, being photographed with p- holding puppies outside a big puppy superstore. Mm. So you're campaigning, you're campaigning, you're campaigning, and you think you're getting somewhere, and then you just get a double whammy like that, which is just, you know, condemned God knows how many breeding bitches to death, pretty much, and puppies and stud dogs. But you have to just keep on going and and go do it in a manner that you, you just, I don't know, you just have to keep engaging people and explaining and and raising awareness. Mark, I do it all the time. I mean, I, I you know, with regards know to the do. positive training thing, you know, I campaign all the time and yeah, and then you see so-and-so's come up with another video or there's another TV show of somebody just, just dominating their dogs and you just go, oh my gosh, when are people going to learn? And, uh, but you know what? It takes a village and that village is growing into a town, which grows into a city, which grows into a, a state, which grows into a country. And, and that's what's happening with you, man. And that's what's happening with, with me and positive training. And we, there are so many amazing people out there that care and, uh, that, donate their time to, to help raise awareness. Um, if you want to see the, the video of the Ukraine, we're going to link it on the website on the episode page. So please take a look at that. Mark, if you want to find out more about Mark, please go to markthevet.com. Um, if you yep, also want to, f- yep. And, uh, if you also want to follow you on Twitter, can you say what your Twitter handle is? <laughs> yeah. If you want to, if you want to play guest the breed every Friday. Um, <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. It's got such a following. It's scary. Um, it's uh, at um, Mark the Vet, so it's M-A-R-C-T-H-E-V-E-T. And every Friday afternoon, which will be Friday morning for you guys, 
Um, we play guest to breed, and it's a, a dog that's come into my consulting room during the week, or I've met at a dog show. Uh, it can be rare, it can be common, um, but it's just got the most insane following now, and um, <laughs> everyone loves to play to finish their week with a game of guest to breed. So I love it. It's brilliant. I love. I love games. engaging people with the, the power of uh, animals, especially dogs. It's just, it's just brilliant. And in all of this, he's doing surgery every day. Amazing. Isn't he amazing? Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have you back. Good luck with Pup Aid. I'll be thinking about you. you. Thank you so much for all the work you do. I'm honored to know you. I'm so glad I met you on It's Me or the Dog. And onwards and upwards. I feel the same about you, you, Vic. Thank you so much. I'm just starstruck by both of you. So it was nice to meet you, Mark. And I definitely will be guessing the breed on Fridays. On oh, I look forward to you getting the breed. And it's lovely to, <laughs> to meet you on uh, over the podcast. And hopefully we'll, we'll meet one day and have, uh, have a good laugh about it all. Fantastic. And good luck. Pupaid.org. Go to it. Learn it. Spread the word. Meet Mark online at pupaid.org. And uh, hopefully if you go to Primrose Hill and you go to Pupaid, um, send us your photos and tell us about it. And we'll put them on the website. And, you know, maybe we can chat with people about that. And then, Mark, we're gonna, we want to uh, have you back so we can talk about all the great things that happen behind the scenes with you, too, because I'm sure you're going to have quite a, a number of stories to tell us. Thanks, oh, I can't Mark. wait. I, I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Thank you so much for your support and for inviting me on your show. Hey, Victoria, give me a fascinating furry fact. The aggressive bark is... Uh, thanks for that, I guess. I don't know what you're thinking. Get crazy people, crazy dog. Did you provoke her? What did you do? Did you pitch her or something? Got anything else? At birth, puppies are deaf, blind, and have almost no sense of smell. They stay near their mother and siblings because of the warmth. Good to know. Well, you know what? I have to question that first one about being born deaf. Because even though that's what people think, the psychoacoustician that I've been working with, who is very knowledgeable, obviously, with girls to sound, works doing sound therapy with people and with canines, uh, Dr. No, I'm calling him Dr. Joshua Leeds. He said that he believes that puppies can hear hmm. in utero yeah. and as soon as they're born, but hearing more like through the vibrations, catching vibrations through the body. So it's like if you, he says here, people who are hearing impaired, right? They can feel vibrations. They can feel the vibrations through their body. So that's the way they hear things. And that's the way puppies hear things, even though they can't hear. I gotcha. Do you, do you get do you Yeah, get it? absolutely. Because I know one of my cousins is deaf and actually she was a dancer and everyone asked how she did it because she could feel the vibrations. Right. So she doesn't really hear the music. She feels the music. Yes. So what these puppies are doing is they're feeling sounds. Yeah. So they understand what it is. I think, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now we know. And that's why go. you know everything. Well, I, 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 I try to. Well, that's why we're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. It's been a while since we hit Ask Victoria. So it's time to ask Victoria. This is not stump the... No, I don't don't see these questions beforehand either. And I should. I should cheat, but I don't. So... Okay, we'll put you on the spot in just a minute. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard of genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. 
I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, You obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. All right. And uh, by the way, these first few questions came through uh, the Positively.com slash podcasts part of the website, Positively.com. So if you have a question, you can send it there like Hannah did. Hannah from Tucson, Arizona. She says, hi, Victoria. My grandma has a poodle named Belle. If you put bread or something on the bird feeder outside, depending on her mood, she'll go out there and just like put her paws up there and try to get the food off. The problem with that is that I don't think it's good for her to be eating bread. It does look a little cute when she does it, but again, I just don't know if she should be eating bread. How can we train her not to do that? Please reply. I'd love to know. And you and I had a conversation earlier today about, should I be giving my dog something to fill her up so she doesn't eat as much food like grains? And you said no. No, 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 no. I don't think bread's not very good for dogs. But there's an easy solution for this. Okay. Just put it up higher. (laughs) Seriously, put the bird feeder up higher. Because, look, when you put food out, of course it's tempting for the dog. And, of course, the dog's going to try and get it. Now, it's fine if you're there. You can teach a great leave it. You can teach your dog to back away to avoid the food. But, of course, they're opportunists. When you're not there, they're going to, what are they going to do? They're going to go out in the yard, go up to the bird feeder and steal the food. Just make it easy for the dog. Set them up for success by making that bird feeder higher up so that she can't get it. Because, you, yes, you're right. You don't want your dog eating bread. Why easy not? solution. Why, why are breads just and grains, grains not good? Grains are just not, not necessarily good for dogs. They weren't really They weren't really made to eat grains. But... There's a lot of grains in cheaper dog food because they're cheap fillers. They bulk mm-hmm. the food up. It's cheap to buy. But then you have a lot of dogs that suffer with various digestive complaints and allergies. And grains can be an allergen. So I always say go for a food that is grain-free. Okay. Uh, Shannon and Andy from Carson City, Nevada ask, uh, I just recently adopted a shepherd mix from a rescue foundation. Good for you. That was my personal comment. His name is Bruno. He's 11 months old, and he's a wonderful new addition to our family. I also have an existing dog, Ziva, a pure white German shepherd. Our family consists of my husband, me, Ziva, and Bruno. We have a very large yard, and Ziva always has naturally pooped and peed in a desirable area of the yard. As for Bruno, the new 11-month adoptee, he pees and poops up close to the house near our patio area and on the concrete patio, and we want him to pee and poop where Ziva does, which is towards the back of the yard away from the house. How do we train Bruno to go in the part of the yard that we want him to? I think you need to choose a different part of the yard. Look, this is where Ziva goes, okay? Dogs can be pretty territorial about where they where they where they go, um, pretty selective where they go, and I don't think Bruno particularly wants to go where Ziva goes. That's Ziva's place. That's where her scent is. So if you can have something similar for Bruno in the back of your yard, but slightly further away from where Ziva is, then I think you're going to solve the problem, and. Also, you know, some dogs, they like a clean place to go to. At least your 11-month-old dog is doing its business outside. Yeah, that's He's doing his business outside and not in your home. So as you train Ziva to go, do the same thing with Bruno, but just choose a different area. And I think that will be the solution to your issue. Do you think it also might be because it's a rescue and it may be used to going 
you know, where they are in, in on concrete because they're living in crates so that, that he's not used to going to grass. Yes. Again, you, you, you bring up a really good point because dogs, uh, are pretty habitual animals. So if he's used to going on concrete, then what I would do, um, I would take some concrete paving, some stone and put it in the area of the garden that you want him to go to. Mm. And that might, entice him to go over there and then he feels comfortable because you know obviously dogs feel a lot through their pads and that's why you'll have dogs that will never go in grass but only on concrete and you'll have some dogs that only go on concrete and never on grass did i just say you just that said the right that twice way? but only go on grass you know what i mean right. it's late <laughs> i'm tired yes yes you do get some dogs that and then some dogs will go on wooden floors and won't go outside. So and some dogs will only like to go on carpets. Some dogs only like to go on wee-wee pads. So what is underneath their feet? Just pay attention what there is underneath their feet. And if you can make the transition easier, take that surface to where you want the dog to eliminate and see if your dog makes that transition. Okay, this question's from Marie. Marie says, I'm 63 and would like to get a dog. I will soon be working a 3 to 11 p.m. shift and would like to know the best dog to get as far as an indoor dog, which doesn't shed a lot, likes people, kids, and cats. I have one. I would also like to know where to go to purchase a reasonably priced dog. How do I train the dog, especially with my work schedule? Good grief. Good grief. Well, please, let's not purchase a dog. You don't have to go to a pet store. Do Why not, spend the money? Do not. Do not. And uh, you're, by now, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know where pet store puppies come from. They come from puppy mills. You don't want to be really exacerbating the issue by buying from a pet store or a dodgy internet site that's going to um, mean that more breeding bitches live terrible lives breeding unhealthy puppies. Please don't go to a pet store to purchase your pup. Please go to a rescue shelter instead. If you really want to go and get a purebred, then... Either I would say first go to a breed-specific rescue so that um, if you – I mean, there are, there are many of them around the country. And uh, then if you do want to go and get a purebred puppy from a breeder, make sure that it's a reputable breeder. Uh, 3 to 11 p.m., you have a cat in the house and you want to get a dog. You see, I always have to question, is this – you're getting the dog for yourself, for your own enjoyment. But you you have to ask yourself the question, what is life going to be like for my dog? We all have to work, of course, I understand that. But what is it going to be like for your dog to have to be by itself, yeah, with a cat, but be mostly by itself from 3 till 11? That's a long time for a dog to be by itself. If you could, If you do have the means to be able to either get a dog walker to break up the day or to get... Um, your dog into doggy daycare, maybe three times a week that you're working. Please, I would suggest that. But a lot of daycares close their doors at around sort of five, six o'clock in the evening. So that still leaves a long time that the dog needs to be by itself. I just question the fact, maybe you could get another cat and not a dog. Right. That's a good solution. It, it, it is a solution and it might not be what you want to hear, but I just think that's too long to leave a dog by itself. And I think you're going to come back with a whole load of problems. And no, you can't train a dog. You can't teach a dog when you're away that long, five days a week, 
potentially. Did she say five days a week? She didn't say how many days, but... If it is five days a week, it's it's really too long. What, what about, and I don't know, I'm not sure about Marie's specific situation, but um, what about getting littermates, two dogs, that they have each other, they could grow up together. If you've got time to train them and make sure that everything's okay, then they yeah, have but each other. I, I, yes, I do, but I just don't know. I, I, I think, you know... If you can get them during a vacation where you have two to three weeks off of vacation, that would be great. But mm-hmm. I, I doubt, as as most of us don't have that, um, I doubt getting two dogs, even though they might be company for each other, that could be double the trouble because I don't think you have the time to train them. Now, if you've got a, f- a family or other people living with you, that's a different issue. But it doesn't sound like you do. And so I would really consider getting a cat. I love cats. I have cats. I'm a cat So fan. do I. I love cats. There are many cats that are in shelters. There's a great place here in Atlanta called Fur Kids that, you know, adopt. They take in cats out for adoption. They take in strays and they rescue cats. So I think that's great. Look, I think it's great to save a, a cat's life. More cats are euthanized in this country. So about 4 million pets are euthanized in the United States every year. 60% of those are dogs. 70% of those are cats. So... Please give a cat home. Okay, here's a question from Leslie. She says, Dear Victoria, I wonder if you can give me some advice about my puppy. I've had her for eight weeks, and she was eight weeks old at that time. I'm trying to keep her up, keep her off the sofas. I've tried everything I can think of. Rewards when she is off, constant lifting her off the sofa with the firm off, a loud noise when I catch her climbing up. She gets on the sofa about 20 to 30 times a day. I think that the problem comes from having been permitted on the sofa when she was at a home with her litter mates. Can you help me, please? I do so love your programs and your book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I, my first question is, have you provided her from? Uh, have you provided her with somewhere else comfortable that she can go? Because a lot of these dogs are just seeking a comfortable place to be. And if you haven't got a dog bed in your family room or your sitting room or some kind of doggy chair, then where does the dog have to go? Lie on the carpet? Lie on a wooden floor? That's not fair. So I I would say make sure you have some really comfy place for the dog to go. And then make that place where the dog gets the treats or the favorite game or the best rubber toy stuffed with food and, and make, continue with the training you're doing, be persistent. And I think you'll see results, but always give a dog an alternative. Okay. And, uh, here's our last question today from Sarah in Del Mar, California. She says, hi, Victoria. My name is Sarah and my boyfriend's name is Brian. We've been raising our now seven-month-old boxer, American Staffordshire lab mix named Hank, along with Woogie, my four-pound special needs three-year-old Japanese chin. Sure, he has a handful. We haven't gotten through the, the problem. It's very apparent that Hank and Woogie enjoy interacting, but we're at a loss on how to teach Hank how much larger he is than poor Woogie. We prefer to continue to allow them to interact without having to worry that Hank might one day simply squash Woogie. But how can we correct this behavior without deterring their interaction altogether? Please help. Thanks for your time, Sarah. I have to say, Sarah's got to be a great dog owner because I like the fact that she likes them together, but that is a concern. It is a concern. Look, coming from somebody who has a large dog (laughs) and a little dog, I get it. Sometimes a little dog does get trodden on. Um, You know what? Allow interaction as much as possible, but also give your dog space. And I think 
when people have two dogs, they don't really think about this or a multi-dog household. Like people, dogs need their space. They need their quiet time. They don't need to be assaulted by, uh, you know, the little dog coming and biting it on the nose or the big dog stepping on it. So have two separate areas where your dogs can go, especially when they're unsupervised. If, if that's going to make you feel happier, I think that's what you need to do. Separate it just with a baby gate. If you can, if you can have the dogs, they still can see each other. They can interact nose to nose, but then they have that quiet time away from each other. One has a dog bed in one area of the room. Then there's the baby gate and then the dog has his, uh, the other dog has the dog bed in another area. Um, and so that space I think is going to really, really help because it's great that they get on well together. And, um, but, you know, boxers, uh, high-energy dogs, mm-hmm. and they uh, impulse control. Gosh, it's really difficult sometimes to have self-control when they're so excitable. So that's I think that's the best thing I would say. Supervise play, supervise interaction, give them space. And when they're unsupervised, when you can't do it, allow them to be in their safe zones. Okay. Good to know. We have a we have two dogs that are about the same size that like to play together, but they have the same issues where uh, they get a little excited and then they need a little bit of separation time. And one of our dogs has learned to go to bed. He just goes upstairs early, and you know, you look around, and you go, "Where's Barnsley?" And he's already in bed. That he's decided he's had enough. So it, it doesn't matter. Even any size dog needs their space. Of course, and it's about respecting. It's about the other dog respecting that the other dog needs their space because there are some dogs that just you know so highly energetic that they don't. They just want to play, 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 play. So if you if you're living in a household like that, then just make sure that you that you cater to your dog's needs because every dog is different. Um, if you need a trainer to come around, I have a great trainer near in the Del Mar area. Her name is Linda Michaels of Holistic Dog Training, and you can find her by going to um, positively.com slash trainers. Great. It's just like people. We need our space too, right? Oh, we do. <laughs> and maybe we need space until our next podcast comes. All right, deal. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.